Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. I am your host, Mike Petchy. How are you? What's new? How are we uh, holding up as we're all locked in our little spaces uh, for months at this point? I hope you guys are uh, doing well. I hope you guys are watching cool stuff. I hope you guys are listening to cool shows like this one. (laughs) Um, But uh, today's episode... I'm going to go further down the rabbit hole on uh, concept art and concept artists and how these amazing films that have futuristic landscapes, have uh, places that don't exist, have drive vehicles that have never been made before. Where does this stuff come from? Who do the filmmakers turn to to come up with these ideas? Um, because you know that uh, it's a collaborative business and I sure as hell as a director do not know how to design a Batmobile or a brand new spaceship. Uh, and the trick is to go and find the people that do. And uh, that's kind of what today's episode is about. And that's how today's episode came about, really, is um, there's a bunch of really cool stuff out there that we've been seeing. Uh, Liam has seen this stuff on Instagram and I've been seeing this stuff on Instagram um, and uh, every, it, it never fails. Whenever I like an image, whenever I see an image, it usually comes back to the same two or three people that are doing it. Um, how many of you guys saw the quote-unquote leaked photos from the new Batman movie of the Batmobile, right? Looks pretty rad. I thought it was pretty cool. I think it was uh, an interesting uh, combination of muscle car meets Mad Max meets Blade. It almost reminds me of the uh, Blade car. Um, but, uh, I was sitting around going like, who, who designed that? And then doing a little bit of research, we found today's guest, uh, who has also designed, uh, spaceships for so many different films, so many different movies, um, among them being the new Mandalorian series, uh, the Star Wars film. So if you've seen a cool spaceship or if there's like a cool action figure or toy out there that exists, chances are that this guy's probably designed them. Uh, just going through a list of films that he's worked on. Um, and these this is an older list, but why not? Uh, he worked on Men in Black. He worked on Galaxy Quest, Mission to Mars, AI, Planet of the Apes, Terminator 3, Star Wars, Re- Revenge of the Sith, a Attack of the Clones. I know he's done all the new Star Wars stuff. Pirates of the Caribbean, Iron Man, Die Hard 4. Oof, Die Hard 4. Um, bunch of different films. This guy is deep, deep in Hollywood as a concept artist, a modeler, and a texturing person. Um, I think he essentially calls himself a visual developer. Uh, and we'll find out on the show. I am talking about none other than... Coley Wirtz. Coley Wirtz has been in the business uh, for quite some time. And like I said, if you've seen it, if it's a vehicle, if you've seen it on the screen and it looks cool, chances are this guy has designed it. Uh, and I'm excited to have him on the show. Uh, I haven't recorded the episode yet. I'm actually recording the intro ahead of time like I should. <laughs> so I'm just as in the dark as you guys are at this point. I have no idea where the show's going to go, but I'm very excited to be able to sit down and talk to an artist uh, who makes a living uh, creating these worlds, helping create these worlds, helping directors um, to make these films. 
and if you've listened to the show prior to this, you understand that one of the common themes of this show is all about collaboration. It's all about admitting when you don't know what the fuck it is that you're doing. And so uh, the only way to, to do it, the only way to make stuff happen, the only way to make your vision come to light is to collaborate with uh, people like Coley. So I'm fucking excited to have him on the show. I can't wait to pick his brain about spaceships. Like, how the hell does he do it? I mean, his work is such a beautiful uh, smash-up of imagination and, like, technical art. Uh, it's pretty insane. Uh, and I'm always in awe with people that love detail, and this guy is the master of detail for these things. So get ready to get nerdy about concept art on the show. And before we get into that, I just want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, we have had the best month ever on the show for listeners. We have a ton of brand new listeners. A lot of you guys and girls have come over from Indie Mogul. If you guys haven't seen it yet, I did an episode of Indie Mogul where we debunk uh, a bunch of the myths about filmmaking, uh, a line of questioning that I swear was just crafted to trigger me. <laughs> and if you watch that clip, you'll notice that it's cut up pretty hard uh, because when I sat down with the guys, I said, look, I have a habit of dropping the F-bomb quite a bit. So is this show, is it okay to swear on the show? And they're like, yeah, you can, but it probably shouldn't. And that lasted for about five minutes. <laughs> so uh, they did a PG version of it, which you guys saw online. But if you go over and listen to the Indie Mogul podcast, the podcast is the unfiltered version of um, my day over at Indie Mogul Studios, hanging out with Ted. And if you're brand new to the show and you haven't gone back through the catalog, do yourself a favor Go to inlovewiththeprocess.com. There, I've curated the shows based upon subject material, okay? So, like, if you want to go and listen to directors, if you want to listen about artists, all that stuff has been uh, curated for you. Because I know how complicated it can be if you just jump on a podcast and you're looking on uh, Apple Podcasts and you're like, fuck, there's like 75 episodes. Where do I start? You don't have to listen to these things in order. You can go back and listen to episode one if you want to set up uh, which is probably a good idea. Go listen to episode one if you want the setup, and then just pick and choose. Uh, you guys can go to inlovewiththeprocess.com and just cherry pick the episodes that you want to listen to. And there is a buttload of content up there. I know we're all hungry for things to do, things to keep us busy, uh, things to keep us sane. And so I really appreciate the traffic. Like, Jesus, man, you guys have been listening to the show, what is going on? Are you guys telling your friends about it, right? Are you guys leaving reviews on the show? I mean, we're going up on the charts. Last I looked, we were like in the low hundreds, you know, for podcasts, which is really great considering that there are millions of fucking podcasts out there. So thank you and congratulations to those of you who have been advertising the show because you're part of the family, you're in the group. I love you guys for coming back every week. You guys give me a reason to continue my rants. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm just happy to have the show because I get to meet people like today's guest. And for those of you who don't know, I'm not allowed to talk specifics, but in my quarantine, I'm 
prepping something new. And in that process of prep, I'm actually collaborating with Chris Cold, who was our last um, concept artist that we had on the show. And we're working together to create designs for a new project. So it's been great. Not only do I get to hang out with you guys, not only do I get to talk about whatever's on my mind and talk shit and swear a bunch, but I get to meet people that are going to ultimately work on the stuff that I'm doing next. So you guys are a part of that. You guys get to hear all that happening. Um, and then I, once I get further down in the prep process of this, I will create some content that sort of shows you guys, gives you guys an insight into what the prep is like. But just to give you an overhead, like a you know a thousand foot view on this thing, at this point, I've got a script that's drafted, an amazing script that's written by Will Simmons. And so I'm just going through the script this week and breaking down the themes. Okay, so before you can get started on storyboarding, before you can get started on shot listing, before you can get started on any of that stuff, you got to go down and break the themes. You got you to understand what the theme for the overall theme for the movie is, but then you also have to understand what the themes for each scene are. You also have to break down the themes for each character. You got to understand where the character is emotionally and what their arc's going to be. And once you get all those things nailed down, and once you know those things by heart, and a process of uh, creating backstory, the process of creating history for these characters that never ends up in the film, it's all about building as much resources as you can have so that when I'm developing the shot list and when I'm developing um, the coverage for the scene, I understand where the character is at that moment, and I can accentuate that visually, subtly. And these are all tricks and techniques that you never really see. You never really notice. It's just subtly when you're looking at a scene, it's like, I feel that the character feels this way. Is it because of the words? Or is it because of the way it's shot? Is it because of the music? Is it because of the sound effects? Is it because of the editing? Is it because of the production design? So this is the exciting part of making films. And I'm kind of happy that I'm quarantined. Kind of happy that I'm locked in this place for a few months because it's going to give me that extra time. You know? There's a reason why Mad Max Fury Road was so fucking good because he had, what, nine years to prep that movie? So I'm not going to have nine years, but an extra three months is going to make it even better. So stand by, everybody. As long as we come out of this shit fine, which we will, but as long as we come out of the back end of this stuff and the economy isn't broken, then things could happen. So... Anyway, uh, as always, if you like what you're hearing, if you like what's going on, follow me on Instagram at Mike Petchy at Instagram or follow the podcast at In Love With The Process Pod on Instagram. That's In Love With The Process P-O-D. And uh, there you can leave questions and comments. You can leave suggestions for guests. I'm curious, who would you guys like to have on the show? All right. And this is, this is the point where you go, okay, while listening to the show, you go on Instagram right now. And you go, Mike, I would like to see if you can get this person on the show. I've got some suggestions from folks. I'm working on it. I'm trying to bring in some bigger and better guests, some stranger guests for the show. What do you guys want to hear about? Where do you want to go with this stuff? Let me know. All right? And it's your fucking fault if you find that you're bored because you haven't given me suggestions. It's your fault. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so let's get to it. Let's not draw this thing out. Um, so you know the deal. Grab those sleek, clean, noise-canceling headphones that have been disinfected. 
go to your little corner that you have designated as your podcast corner. Where is it? Is it in your bedroom? Is it in your living room? Is it outside? Where's the place that you go to relax and listen to a podcast? Grab those noise-canceling headphones. Sit there. Relax. And enjoy the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. Hey, Coley, thanks for being on the show, my friend. Yeah, yeah, thanks a lot for having me, Mike. Uh, super excited to have you on the show. There's a bunch of stuff I want to talk to you about, but I just got to say first, out of the gate, man, I have been a fan of your work for a long time, and I didn't realize it was all you. It's one of those things where you're going through Instagram, and you're like, this is fucking great, this is awesome, and then it's all your stuff. No way. Oh, man, that's really kind yeah, of Yeah, man. man. I appreciate it. Dude, it's so cool, man. And I'm really excited to talk to you about this stuff. And it's so cool to see uh, an artist that is influencing cinema the way that y- your work has been influencing cinema for years at this point. So, uh, yeah, congrats, so. congrats to that, man. Ah, thank you very much. Thank you. We also have Liam on as well. Liam is uh, one of the producers on the show, and he's a big fan of your work. Say hello, Liam. Hello. Hey, Liam. Thank you. <laughs> Um, so let's get right into it, man. Um, how long have you, let's, so for the audience that is just getting, uh, introduced to your work for the first time, let's, Mm -hmm. let's talk about a bit of history. How did you get into vehicle design? Like where did it all start for you? Oh man. So, uh, sink or swim is basically the way that I got into vehicle design. Um, so I, I'm in my fifties, I'm, I'm 51 and Mm -hmm. I, um, I was 25 or 26 whenever I I was an architect back way back in that decade, Uh eons ago. And so I was in design and I had an architectural degree from Clemson back on the East coast, which is where I'm from in South Carolina. And um, yeah. And uh, I I really enjoyed model building the, the model building aspect in school. And it was really theoretical where, where I went to school more so uh, as opposed to this is how you build a house. This is how you draw plans. It was really, it was really more thinking and um, kind of looking at the context of a, a site and a context of whatever social thing that you're, you're getting ready to address in your project. And I was really interested in that. So I graduated and then I realized, God damn, I wish I would have you know, learned a little bit more about how to draw a house and how to, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I had to kind of learn that on the job after I graduated. And uh, I was in a town called Charleston in South Carolina, uh, practicing mm-hmm. architecture. And a buddy of mine, his name is Andrew Hardaway. He's a, he and I were in school together back in um, Clemson, and he ended up transferring schools to, um, to uh, SciArc down in L.A. Hmm. And, um, you know, that was the type of architecture that I was really interested in. And here he is, you know, kind of getting to practice it a good bit. So I, um, so he's in LA, I'm here. We have a bit of dialogue and, um, I decide I want to go back to graduate school. And so, 
uh, because I'm I'm not enjoying architecture as much as in the real world as I as I was in school. You know, no offense to the to the architects that I was working for, of course, but it just wasn't the same. And yeah. so I took the I took the uh, GRE, and I think I scored in like the twelfth percentile, which is like scoring a twelve on a test, and that wasn't going to get me in anywhere. So I screwed that up. <laughs> and um i was like well i guess i'm destined to be a guy designing picket fences and little houses so i was like shit so he called me up and said dude why don't you come to la and learn some 2d he had some projects that he had gotten him, himself into that he just needed another person that he could trust to work with and so i moved to la packed up the pack, packed up the car, moved to LA. And I, I not, I'm not well-traveled, so especially at that point. But um, I got to LA and we started working. I was learning Photoshop. And I think my version that I started on was version three. So layers was new and everybody mm -hmm. was really stoked about that. Mm -hmm. Remember now I'm using like- I remember that, man. That, that was- Go ahead. What's that? I said, go ahead. I'm, sorry, there's- just so the listeners know, if it sounds a little, if it sounds a little awkward every once in a while, we're doing this stuff over the internet, and there's this weird delay that sometimes kicks in and sometimes kicks out. But we're just going to make our way through it. I think it's going to be fine. Um, okay. Yeah, I remember the early days of Photoshop. I actually started about three myself, and layers was mind was mind blowing at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to explain to people now what not having layers was like and i had to kind of we had some old versions of photoshop laying around and i tried to just use channels and i was just blown away i was like who can do this hey folks it's liam button in here just to clear some stuff up obviously we're experiencing some technical difficulties so at this point in the recording we actually stopped figured it all out and got zencaster back up and running so mike and coley were able to have a decent conversation and honestly it turned out pretty good for everyone who's sitting here wondering why we had these difficulties, everybody's on Zencaster right now because you got nothing else to do, and that's slowing us down. Well, don't worry. We're getting back into the show. But we're just going to jump right back in. So the, for those of you listening, I think we uh, fixed some of our technical problems. Sorry about the, the jump in there. But hey, we're all stuck at home right now. So everybody's using the internet. So there's probably 100 reasons why. So deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So back in on this conversation. So let me skip ahead a little bit here. And thanks for giving some of the history on that stuff. I, I just mm -hmm. want to I just want to come down to the thing that amazes me the most about the stuff that you do. It's this outstanding combination of imagination and technical, which is really uh -huh. kind of cool because uh, the designs of your spaceships are very imaginative and they come out of nowhere. Uh -huh. For me, it seems that way. But then they have such a, a, a grounding in reality with how you do the lighting and how the light affects the metal and what, what is happening in the physical space. Are you turning consistently towards real life for uh, inspiration on stuff? Like how do, how do you get started with something like that? Uh, that's a good question. Um, the, I usually sit down. I, I have this time during the day where I just sit down and sketch and I'll bang out a shape cool. and I'll, I'll feel what that shape might be. And then I'll um, push it 
in a direction that I think uh, might have the function that this shape might might suggest. Hmm. So in other words, sometimes I'll let the form drive what it becomes. And then sometimes I'll sit down and I'll say, I'll have a brief that I make myself. And that is uh, make a ship that carries chickens or make a, a truck that, that can drive on the moon, hmm. you know, things like that. So um, as far as the technical aspect of it, it's, yeah, I try and ground it in reality because I've, I've been, I, for many, many, many years, I worked at ILM as a modeler. Oh, cool. Yeah, as, an, as a hard surface guy. Mm-hmm. And so I was always, you know, I was pushed really hard to make it either believable or fully functional. So, you know, I, and I'm a gearhead. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm big into MotoGP and I have bikes and I have, um, and I'm big into Formula One. So, and so with, with, between the, my hobbies and my, um, between my hobbies and my interest in, um, you know, something in the near future or distant future, mm-hmm. as far as a machine goes, that's, that's where it all kind of starts. Uh, it makes a lot of sense when you look at your work that you are into that gear stuff. When I started years ago, before I became a director, I was working in shops. I used to work as a, a mechanics assistant. So we used to work on like DeLoreans and a bunch of really cool cars. So, Oh, cool. Yeah, man. So whenever I see your stuff, I'm like, this guy has been around. <laughs> He's been around well, the actual things, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've definitely made plenty of mistakes with my own bikes and things like that with regards to trying to understand what goes on. And, you know, to be honest with you, if I had, if I had the time and I had, and I probably should, I'd I'd like to take mechanics course Mm. because, you know, the the fact that an internal combustion engine can run and not blow up is it's mind blowing. It's it it really is mind blowing. Yeah, man. Like whenever I'm standing next to like an idling motorcycle or like an idling vehicle, it's like there are a bunch of little mini explosions happening in that thing right now. Mm -hmm. And it's not catching fire and it's not blowing metal parts into my face. (laughs) Exactly. The fact that, you know, the fact that the friction alone is scary. You know, Mm -hmm. you go on, I think there's a, there's a video online of a, I think it's a BMW thousand RR engine and they they did a cutaway of it and it's, it's an actual engine it's not a, an animation oh, cool. and they're just dousing it with with oil and and try, you know to lube it up and they run that thing oh wow and it is phenomenal i'll never forget that video because every time i'm on one of my bikes or hell when every time i'm in my car i crank it up and all i can imagine is how much friction is getting generated and why that oil doesn't break down so so things like that that I think about, like what I just described, mm-hmm. might influence a time in the future where, not not necessarily Mad Max, but Mad Max is a really good example, where, well, maybe there's a vehicle out there that doesn't, that can't, somebody had to take an engine and they had to figure out a new way to get lubrication in it. Well, that's going to give me a new form on the outside of the vehicle. Oh, cool. So it's crap like that yeah. where things should break. Like people understand, oh shit, this might break. How and they've probably run through it a few times, and they're they've broken ten of them. Yeah. So now they they're and they're tired of it because if they don't get this thing fixed, the bad guys are going to come and get them because they got to be able to drive across the desert, which suggests the type of tires that I'm going to have on this thing. Yeah. So I'm constantly telling myself little stories like this, mm-hmm. and as a sketch or a drawing goes, that's what starts to happen. 
that's where I'm to answer your question and kind of loop back a little bit more. Yeah, no, that's super cool, man. And, and all those little details, it's like we, we did a prior episode where we had Wade Eastwood on the show, who was mm-hmm. uh, Tom Cruise's uh, stunt coordinator. And uh, one mm-hmm. of the reasons why I wanted him on the show, and one of the things I loved about his stunt work is that it wasn't just functional. He wasn't doing uh, stunt scenes that were like, okay, so two guys punch each other, two guys block each other. Like every move, every little detail was further informing that character's story and that character's theme which I love. Absolutely. I fucking love Absolutely. that. Um, and it's the same thing with the work that you're doing. Everything that you do, and then all the way down from the director standpoint on my end, where if I'm designing shots and I'm designing coverage and I'm designing all these different things, it is to further inform the theme of that character. Um, yes. And with vehicles, it's so cool how vehicles have become what essentially horses used to be in the Westerns, where it's an extension mm-hmm. of that character. And they've become characters of their own. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at that uh, with some of your recent work, because you worked on Metalorian. So yes. the ship of the Metalorian is its own character. And that's one thing that I love yeah, about Star is. Wars, you know? Yeah, it is. That, that was a big collaborative effort. Um, but, you know, one of the, the, the main, the guy that really came up with the Mandalorian ship. It was Brian Church and Doug Chang were working together on that. And then I kind of came down from, I was borrowed from ILM to come to Lucasfilm for a bit. Mm-hmm. However that works. And um, you, they hand, they hand me this ship and then I have to kind of give it life. And so while I didn't design the whole thing, I had to design the life and the feel and the vibe. And to be fair, a lot of the, um, a lot of that already exists because it's Star Wars. You know what the aesthetic is. You know how panels are going to wear. You know the degree of a dent. Mm-hmm. You know that, you know, things that are of that universe. And for me, that to be honest, that's the most fun part is to is to work with someone and, and ask the right questions. Because, you know, I work from home now and, and I... I'm, I'm freelance. So I have to get on the same page, the same era, the same thought pattern, mm-hmm. the same, you know, everything as who it is I'm working with in their world. And that's, that's the most fun. I mean, I can do it for myself, but it's a lot more fun to do it with someone else with regards to, uh, you know, linking into their world and helping them for lack of a better term, realize it because you want to make it real. Mm-hmm. So you help them realize it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's that's collaborative filmmaking one on one right there, man. That's one hundred percent. And yep. so, when you say you give the ship life, so let's let's get into that a little bit. So, what did they send you? The basic shape of the ship, or the basic outline of the ship, and are you just adding texture to the ship? Are you designing the lighting look of the ship? Like what? What? Well, yeah, it really depends. If they kind of hire, because I'm I'm concept now. I'm a, I'm I'm called a concept artist. I'm in the union. And I'm really stoked about that, but. Um, uh, when, if a company or a director or production designer comes to me now and they say, we've got this ship we're going to do, well, I need to know whether they've got an idea what it's going to be. Have they already got some art? You know, they send me a little lookbook mm-hmm. of, of stuff that they like. And if, if there's nothing there, then I get to start from scratch. And that's a lot of fun because you're essentially spitballing everything. You know, you're throwing everything at the at the wall and whatever sticks and whatever likes, then you're coming up with, with everything. Mm-hmm. And, and there's usually 
some sort of a setting or environment and you ask them, how is this thing, how does it, how does it motivate? You know, how does it move? Um, what's legal, what's not legal, hmm. you know, it can't float. I hate wheels, you know, stuff like that. And so <laughs> then you're, so then you're like, okay, well now I, I, I need to go and do some research. And in my lifetime, there's been a lot of things that have gone wrong and closing bookstores is probably one of the bigger ones. And, and, ah, I miss bookstores. So oh, much right, right. Just to be able to go in and like get your hands on a hard copy of something and flip through stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, Google is probably, I probably confuse Google a lot because I, I search for so many different things. I mean, I'm not, I'm probably not somebody that you could pin down with regards to what I search for because every project requires me to search for something completely unique. And in that regard, I get to grow. Mm-hmm. So I do get the same vibe. I, I kind of get the same high that I get when I would go into a bookstore and and just trip over a certain book. Because, um, you know, I, I live for those cheap book tables because that's where all the mechanical books were. Nobody wanted a book on tractors. <laughs> and so I'd get a really good book on tractors for like eight bucks and, and you know, started at 50. <laughs> so... That kind of stuff I miss. I mean, we have a Barnes and Noble near where I live, so I go there when I can. But you know, now it's Google and 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 other sites. Um, but yeah, I try and keep my, I try and continue to learn. I mean, that's like my big thing. Yep. Is if I can learn a little something new about the way something works, then I can present it in a new way and something that I might be sketching or designing. So it sounds like uh, you really enjoy the research process. Is that like? Oh yeah. 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 And, and is that just because you're finding things that are, that are, are triggering new ideas or is it, do you just get nerdy about details? Like what, what is it that you love about the research? Yeah. Well, there's like aesthetic details and then there are functional details, right? So, um, like I'm, I'm reading about, or I'm, I'm learning about how right now I'm listening to a podcast on, uh, how swing arms have evolved in race motorcycles hmm. over the last 16 years and what, what their actual function is not for a street motorcycle, but for a racing motorcycle and how these certain, that one element part of the bike gives feedback to the rider. Yeah. So while that might be viewed as a technical detail, it's also an aesthetic detail because now I now I can design based on the information that I'm getting from these podcasts. This is hours of listening, you know, it's kind of in the background and <laughs> it's cool. That's how it works, man. I mean, I, I just, you know, an, an intake and to be, to be simple, to, to put it simply, if you put an intake on a, on a, uh, on a ship, then you're kind of suggesting that it's going to be in the atmosphere because that means that air has to go through right. something and, ignite a jet and that jet's gonna have this kind of exhaust and this is the type of smoke that that type of exhaust leaves so you know you can deviate from that i mean there's no rule saying you can't deviate from it but that's the kind of detail i'm looking you know looking at it's fun you know It's that time now 
to give thanks to the men and women that continue to support the show even through these tough times. Um, and I just want to say that uh, sponsors are what keep this show happening. Sponsors are what keep us open. Sponsors are what keep the episodes coming. I mean, it's the only thing that's enabled us to do two episodes a week at this point. So if you want to be part of the family, if you have a company, if you sell t-shirts, if you sell gear, if you have something that you want to advertise on the show, write to me. Send me an email. You could send an email over to in love with the process at gmail.com and then show me your products and let's talk about it. And if I like your stuff, if I believe in what it is that you're selling, then we'll talk about getting you on the show. Um, but it's been very successful for all of our sponsors. You can go to inloveoftheprocess.com backslash sponsors and you can read about the testimonials from like Puget and all the dudes that have been on the show. Uh, we do good stuff for people that we believe in and we drive traffic. And the reason why we do great stuff is because you, the listener, are clicking on those track, trackable, traceable links below. So while listening to this, just click on one of those things. And we usually list them in the description of any and all podcast providers. But you can also go to inlovewiththeprocess.com, click on today's episode, which I suggest you do anyways. It's a great thing to do while listening to the show because that's where I will post images. Like for today's episode, I'll have a bunch of Coley's uh, design work up there, a couple of videos that he's been in. So that way you can uh, further expand your experience with the show. You can actually watch some of the stuff to reference. All that's on inlovewiththeprocess.com. So go check that out. Let's get to the sponsorships. First up, my good buddies over at Puget Systems. If you are a concept artist, if you are a filmmaker, photographer, if you're a video game nerd, and you need a new system, right? Your old system isn't, isn't holding up. You don't have to just buy Apple's products at this point, right? They own the market in our world for quite some time. And in that ownership of that market, they were driving the prices to where they wanted them to be, which is astronomical. You're paying a ton of money just for unboxing experience and for advertising. You don't need to do that anymore because the Creative Cloud runs on both systems, on Mac and PC. So consider building yourself a PC. And here's why. You could spend more money on the hardware specifically tailored to the programs that you're gonna use, right? You can uh, make sure that your machine is open-ended enough to be upgraded, and it's not going to cost you a fucking fortune because it wasn't machined all in one goddamn piece. You know what I mean? Half the time, the, sh the sales pitches that we get, the stuff that we buy, most people don't even understand why they're buying it. And they're just like, it's sexy. It's all machined from one piece. It's amazing. Okay, but it's also harder to upgrade. You can't put shit inside of it. So what happens four months from now, five months from now, when you need a new piece of hardware? So what are you going to do? You're going to throw that whole fucking thing out, right? Or are you going to go out and buy a new piece of hardware that costs you like 500 bucks and stick it in the machine? Be smart about it. Okay, so upgrade, being able to upgrade has been something that has been around since the beginning of PCs and, and for some reason it went out of style. And now it's coming back because now Macs learned their fucking lesson after doing that trash can bullshit that they pulled. Now they're like, we're building towers that are upgradable. You guys are backpedaling. And you've, you've, you've shown your true colors by stepping away, by promising us that, you're part, that we're all part of your fucking family. And then when it comes down to the bottom dollar and it comes down to what's being sold and what's faster cash, which is this disposable hardware shit that they're doing, you want to talk about why there are floating fucking islands of trash outside of fucking China? Hmm. Think about that shit. 
So, tirade con. Let's get back to the sponsor read. Uh, go to PugetSystems.com. There you can build a custom-built PC, and they have some new shit coming out that I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about yet, but I actually worked with them and photographed their new products. Mm-hmm. So you're going to see a lot of my work on their website at PugetSystems.com soon. But they got a bunch of new stuff coming out. Uh, so go there, check on their website often. Go to PugetSystems.com, click the link below, and you'll be able to see when this new sexy stuff comes out. I've already seen it because I photographed it. Uh, but if you go there, you can choose a baseline system uh, based upon the software that you are going to use and that you potentially use. They'll offer up a baseline package, and then they want to hear from you. So you write to them and you tell them what it is that you're doing, what kind of budget you have, what kind of uh, machine you need, um, and they will help customize this machine for you. It's great stuff. It's a great alternative if you don't want to build your own PC because you don't know how to build a PC or you just want to get something that comes out of the box and you can get it up and running. But if you're someone that is building your own PC, these guys benchmark test all the new hardware. So go to PugetSystems.com even if you just want to go and figure out what works best for your next build. They're a good resource. They're not about just making money off everybody. They want to make sure that the community is supported and expanded. I can't say enough good things about these boys. So go to PugetSystems.com and check it out. Next up, buddies over at Quasar, Quasar Science. Uh, one of the biggest advancements in the movie business has been LED technology and lighting technology. There's a reason why all the films in uh, Netflix series look so good. It's LED lighting, guys. Um, and a lot of people ask me all the time, what kind of lights do you have in your kit? I have a couple of tubes from Quasar and they make amazing stuff. They do bicolor tubes, they do uh, uh, bicolor, not bicolor, but uh, RGB uh, tubes with any color of the rainbow that can be dialed into them. Really cool stuff. If you go to quasarscience.com, check their shit out. You should also go check them out on Instagram at quasarscience because this month, I think every week they're giving away a free kit. This is big. I think their website is, uh, what is their Instagram? Their Instagram standby as I look it up. But if you go to quasarscience.com, you can check out all their new products. Like I said, I've got a bunch of their tubes. I just lit the new videos for Dale Strong with their tubes. Um, but let me just double check here. Yeah, on Instagram, it's quasarscience. And if you go there, they're listening it right now. It says, all April, uh, Q lion giveaways one giveaway per week week one is a three by one q lion kit winner announced every friday okay so this one was posted yesterday which is the first so there might be a new one by the time this episode comes out but it looks like the only thing you have to do we're giving away a new kit follow quasar science and quasar science 2 tag three friends in the comments and like this post it's that easy Winners will be randomly selected and announced on our Instagram live stream this Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Good luck. So, these guys rock. You looking for some new lights? You're bored? Go check them out. Uh, and if you want to support the show, uh, there's a bunch of different ways to do so. If you haven't done so already, sign up for a free trial at Audible. So, if you go to audibletrial.com backslash love the process, the link will be below Sign up for a 30-day free trial, which comes with a free audiobook, um, and then you'll get access to all their content, all their audio stuff, which is really great, and you'll probably want to stick around because you're going to get hooked. You're going to be reading shit, but if you don't 
cancel after 30 days. It doesn't cost you a dime and we get paid. So everybody asks all the time, how can we contribute to the show? Uh, we're all trapped because of COVID. We don't have money. Go sign up for the fucking Audible trial if you haven't done so already. And we get paid. It's a great thank you to the show. Doesn't cost you anything. And you get more shit to do with your downtime. So go check it out and make it happen. If there's a bunch of other ways to sponsor the show, if you go to inlovewiththeprocess.com backslash sponsors, you'll see our deals with Capital One, which are really great. And you'll see a straight up donation button. So best ways to help the show. Every dollar counts. And I know you guys are in a rough situation right now with COVID. That's why I'm offering up these deals. These deals get you things that don't cost you anything and we get fucking paid. Sponsors, right? All right, let's get right back into the show. Thanks. One of the things I did when I was a kid is I worked for about uh, a year in an airplane mechanic shop, and I was essentially oh. uh, tasked with taking apart and cleaning bleed valves. And so that was the big oh. that was the big process, which was a lot of fun to do. But when you're looking at airplane products and airplane uh, mechanics, because it's not like a car where like if a pro- if a piece goes, you just pull over to the side of the road, you literally drop out of the sky. <laughs> So, yeah. so they have so many safety standards that are involved with it. So every piece, every tiny little screw, not only has its own code that is coded and the hours are logged on every screw, but one of the cool techniques that a lot of people don't realize they do is they have little holes on the top of all their screws that they feed cable through. And so oh. in the opposite direction, two screws are, 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 are uh, wound together with this cable so that they could never loosen. Because if they loosen, oh, they'll cool. tighten the next one. And they're all like these little safety measures that go into just a bleed valve, which is a tiny part of the engine itself. Um, and so whenever I see work that's got that kind of detail, and like I, I'm a huge comic book nerd myself, so mm-hmm. I used to love like Stephen Platt's work, who used to do like mm-hmm. the profit books and stuff. He would have like every screw drawn on every piece of armor. Um, if you look at like Jeff Darrow's work, mm-hmm. um, the same kind of thing. I just love that stuff because it feels so real in it. And when you look at this, these vehicles, it takes such a intricate level of detail, A, to make them work, B, to make sure that the explosion doesn't escape like we were talking about before, mm-hmm. and then C, to make sure they don't drop out of the fucking sky. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's amazing. Dude, it's cool stuff. And then to see uh, these designs and these shapes and these lines that you create um, that I don't know if they would necessarily work in real life, but because Mm -hmm. you have that detail and because you have that attention to how actual mechanics work, you believe that they do. And you look at a ship Mm -hmm. that's like, I don't know aerodynamically if that would be uh, able to fly like that, but I, I buy it because of all those details on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, um, I, I'm a big fan of, um, Neil Blomkamp. I think he's, oh, he's, yeah. a, he, his stuff really, um, yeah, his stuff really made me, it, it broke me away from star Wars in, in, in many ways, because you have to, a lot of the stuff, I mean, the guys that he hired, um, 
and, and he pushed. I mean, he's I think he he loves guns and um, mm-hmm. he's got he's got a really good understanding. I mean, if you look at a gun, it, there's not that many moving parts, but those moving parts need to work really well every time. Yeah, and <laughs> it's, it's, and the and the the clearance for things to work is really the tolerances rather is really you know high tolerance. Yeah. And so um, I, you can see that in in all of the uh, the guns that that are designed for Neil, but you can also see it in the vehicles and the robots that Neil designs, even more so the vehicles, because he he thinks about all of the stuff. Well, why would this ship have this if it can do this? Mm. You know, why would it why would it have an engine that doesn't rotate? You know, so, or you know, it, his stuff is taken that far, and because you know that his stuff typically is taken that far if he throws something like a curveball at you where it probably wouldn't work you still think well maybe he's thought this through and maybe it would work so that is where i'm like neil is just i like where he takes stuff yeah Um, he's great star wars kind of gets to jump away from that they go well we've got this thing that makes it do this and you go well where is it and you go oh it's just don't worry about that so (laughs) i mean it's a it's a thing and and in the end, it's all entertainment, right? Yeah. You got to be able to in, watch it and be entertained by it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Are, are Neil's vehicles as iconic as um, visually as uh, Star Wars stuff? No, but they they speak to me in a way that 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 I like. But uh, they're also kind of downplayed so that they don't become the main another main character yeah. in his work. Yeah. So I think he does that. Maybe he does that intentionally as well. I mean, you know, there's definitely a there's definitely a uh, a line that you have to walk whether you want this ship to be a character or whether you want this ship to be supporting the character. Totally, man. Totally. Um, another great example of that too is actually Guillermo del Toro when he did Pacific Rim. Mm-hmm. Uh, his attention to, to steampunk detail, I thought was super cool. And because he liked to show the intricacies of how things worked, I thought Pacific Rim one was so much better technically than Pacific Rim two for that reason. I thought that mm-hmm. his attention to that stuff. And, and then that's part of the voice of the director at that point where his obsessions are obvious when you see it. And then that becomes the tone uh, for the piece, the tone for the scene, the tone for for that for that character. Um, mm-hmm. Same thing with George Miller. You look at you know the original Mad Max movies. I say this all the time. In Road Warrior, the shot that kills me, the shot that I love more than anything else in Road Warrior, is in the opening of that scene where uh, it's street level and Max has got to hit the brakes in order to go back and get the gas, and his rear tire mm-hmm. just does that like jump, 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 jump that happens. Mm-hmm. And it was such an accidental thing, but it adds such a level of character. It's almost like watching Steve McQueen ride a horse and like scoop up water with his cowboy hat. It's the yeah. it's the same level of fucking character that goes into that car. That when you watch that movie, that car is oh my god! Like I designed a whole car. My my third car I owned, I designed to be a Mad Max car that I drove around in because I was so obsessed with it. Oh um, uh, yeah, um, those stories—the stories behind those cars—are great. Oh my yeah. god, dude! And his new the the Fury Road and all the car designs and stuff that they did for that—it's insane. I know. Ah, oh, I know. It's a dream. The, the, that's a dream the, job. The characters, yeah. The character, the, the guys that sketched that. I bought the the art of book for that, and I was, 
I was uh, I was disappointed because it wasn't like the detail that I usually see in a book. But it was they were drawn by comic book artists. Mm. Uh, That's right. I don't know if you ever get a chance to kind of look at the art, but that movie was in product in pre production for years. Yeah, like nine years. 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 Yeah, nine years, man. Nine fucking years. Yeah, on and off. Because originally it was going to be Mel Gibson in it, then it wasn't going to be Mel Gibson in it, and then it went from there. Yeah, troubles he had. Yeah, man. Um, But so fucking iconic, and the balls that he had to introduce the car again. Because when the car was in the new movie. It's like yes, and the detail and all the grime and stuff, and, and then they blow it up in the first, in the first like five minutes, in the first three I minutes. Hated that. <laughs> but then you know the, the the fact, you know, when you look at that car though, here's a good thing. Like when you look at that car, I love the fact that the back the back wheels, I think, yep, were so threadbare on the sidewalls. Yes, that when you look at the car, it was it looked like almost an off white back wheel. Yes. And so you're looking at that and you're going, wow. That's pretty cool. From a distance, it looks that way. And then you get closer and you're like, oh my God, those are completely bare sidewalls. And yet he's putting all that torque through those, you know, yeah, uh, all the rotational force that's going through those things. How are they still viable? But you know, Mad Max knows that they will work. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's the thing. Like he trusts them, but barely. but that's that whole world and that's that Mm -hmm. that little detail just informs that world and that sense of anxiety that those characters are consistently feeling i mean where else do you have to rig up an explosive device on a gas tank because if you pull over to take a piss someone may try to steal a gas out of your vehicle (laughs) yeah exactly man that it's good stuff i mean that it's rich so things like that you kind of have to watch a movie a few times and start to pick up on for me, anyway, you kind of have to start to pick up on some of those subtle nuances, and they're there. You know, the good, the, the better directors throw them in there, and you know, oh. I, I love it. I love eating that stuff up, dude. And speaking of this, now I saw that you posted. So, what was your connection to the new Batmobile? You worked on that? Uh, I don't know if I can officially say that I worked on it, but I may have had something to do with it. <laughs> yeah, I worked with it. Yeah, I, I worked on it with a couple of other guys. Um, uh, and I, to be honest, I don't know exactly how many of us worked on it, but it was a bunch of us uh-huh. and, um, they're all really talented and, um, you know, I'll be interested in seeing how it really turns out. Cause you know, I, I'm not privy to the information that of, of exactly what it looks like, how it ended up. Like I was on it for a stint and then, um, uh, it was, it, it kept evolving you know, and that's just the way it works. Yeah. I mean, I'm only referencing cause it's leaked. According oh yeah. The director leaked an image and yeah. then a couple of other guys have maybe been posting a few things, but yeah. Um, but, uh, I, I worked with Ben last and Ash Thorpe. Those two guys are the two people that I was working on it with, but a lot of other people worked on that thing, man. It's so many people. That's so, crazy. Crash. Yeah. And uh, I'm I'm friends with Ash Thorpe. We had him on the show in the past. He's an amazing designer as well. So it's super cool yeah, that you guys teamed up. I don't know if he sleeps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree. That guy is so busy all the time. I don't know if that guy sleeps. I, you know, to be honest, I've never met Ash, but, you know, you, I, I'm like every other person in my field, you know, we, we all follow one another and, and I, I'm, his output is from another planet and he's, you know, he's, he's, uh, 
he's staying very relevant in a new field. Like, I don't know how much work he'd actually done in the past on vehicle design and stuff like that, but I've always, his, his motion graphics are the bomb, you know, he's really the hack. I mean, just watching the hack, you're like, holy crap, man, that guy's busy. Dude, he's nuts, man. And uh, we did a great episode with him and we talked about like how crazy his schedule is and what he, like he, like, I, I think he was, correct me if I'm wrong, Liam, but I think on our show he was talking about doing UFC stuff. I don't know if I was doing that on the show or off the show, but he's he's staying physical. He's, the dude's a fucking machine. I don't know how yeah. he does it, man. Yeah. He's a machine yeah. with this shit. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a, there there's like, a, there's a level of, um, I don't know how old he is, but I know that, I, I know that I'm probably older than him. And I, but I do remember being in that, like, I wish I was where I am now when I was younger, mm-hmm. you know, when I was in my 20s and 30s. Um, I mean, I do my fair share of stuff, but um, with regards to not doing what we're talking about, right? Yeah. Like, I, I, I ride and track bikes and I rock climb and little things like that. But I'm, I mean, he's posting from Japan. Like, I'm like, what? Where do you find time to do this, dude? Yeah. But anyway, it's really cool. It's really cool. I'm glad I'm happy for the guy. Well, and you bring up an interesting point because we've talked about this on the show. Um, With age and experience, uh, you know, age and experience is actually a really great thing in our field. It seems like, Mm -hmm. unlike a lot of other fields out there, like uh, the music industry or other places where they're trying to tap into you young and you're sort of working in your 20s and then you sort of hit your peak prior to your 30s. The thing I love about the movie business in this creative field is that with age come and wisdom comes better projects and greater things. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I'm constantly referencing, you know, Clint Eastwood. I mean, how old, mm-hmm. how old is that guy now? He's in his eighties and he's still directing on set. Um, it's nuts, man. So do you feel like, um, are you happy to be in your fifties at this point or do you, oh, yeah. do you wish totally, that you, man, I mean, here's the good thing about it. The, the way I look at it is you got um, you got to build experiences for yourself and be involved in things. And that just takes time. Hmm. And um, you also have to go through a lot over time to realize, oh, that was valuable. Oh, that was invaluable. I fought for this and I shouldn't have. Therefore, I won't fight for this the next time I see it. Mm. Uh, and if I fight for this, um, I'll do it in a way that's a little more tactful or know the room, mm. that kind of stuff. So, uh, oh, no, you, you have to go through these things from a, you have to have a, a collected life experience of of uh dealing with all kinds of different types of people and you know that builds a ton of humility Mm. and i'd say humility is probably one of the biggest assets you can have it's it's um it's yeah i'd have to say humility is the one dude Uh, i completely agree with you completely agree with you it's, it's big because you 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 need to be able to humility and work empathy Mm-hmm. And if you can do that with someone else, 
then, you know, confidence, obviously, and, you know, they're, they're not coming to you if they don't think you can do the job. So you have to be confident about it. And, you know, I'm, I'm old enough now and experienced enough now to, to have that. And it took a while, mm-hmm. but I have it. And you, um, you need to be sensitive to the other the other person who's asking you to do something, you have to be sensitive to what it is they're trying to say that they may not be able to say it clearly. So I always take that on as part of my job is to get to know the other person to the degree to which they'll let me get to know them inside the sphere that we're working in mm-hmm. so that we can work better together mm-hmm. and get to what, cause I'm getting paid to help this guy realize something. So why not, why not make the experience a good experience? Yeah, and I think a lot of people don't realize when you're working with a concept artist that um, most of the time you're just trying to get aligned taste-wise. You're trying to get aligned tonally um, mm-hmm. because you know you might have some loose uh, restrictions. You may you, you may say like, "Look, we got to design a ship that carries fucking chickens," but um, that's it. And so then in that in that process of understanding taste and likes and and style and, and all that sort of stuff is when you guys are finding that, that design. And it takes, mm-hmm. it, it's sometimes it's frustrating. Sometimes it's a frustrating process because you see something in your head and you don't know how to translate what that thing is in your head. And then you as the artist are sitting there going like, what is this person I'm fucking obsessing over? Is it, mm-hmm. is it the, the shape of this thing or is it the light that's coming off this thing? Like, what is the thing that we need to be focusing on? And I think it just shows uh, a sign of sophistication on your part to say that it is an empathetic thing and understanding how to read the room and understanding how and when uh, you should listen and when you should speak. Uh, yeah. It's something that comes with experience for sure, man. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And you gotta, you gotta figure out what the person who's come to you is after. If, if I know Liam's a producer here, but you know, you and, and you're, you're running the show and, I got to be sensitive to Liam. Right. If, if I'm, if I'm, if he say he's the producer and then the director, I, I've the other guys, the, the, the director and I'm not, and you're the director. I'm like, man, I got to be sensitive to money here, mm-hmm. you know? So I've got to make sure that we, un, that we're doing something that is, if I make a move in a design that I think is going to save us money and I, and, and that's going to make, Liam happy. Mm-hmm. Right. And, but I got to make you happy. Mm-hmm. So I got to make sure that you understand that like, okay, well, we do, we want to spend our money here. Do we want to spend our money there? And, and questions like that, you're not really privy to that kind of discussion inside what I was doing at, at ILM. You know, they hand me something to build and I build it. Mm-hmm. And, and, but now I'm in a position where I can say, look, there's a few ways we can do this. And, and here they are. How would you like to do it? And and uh, having you know, having Instagram is great. And having my website, which I just threw up. I got a new one up. I think it's coleyworksdesign.com. My old one is a piece of shit. Uh, but my, <laughs> my, which was just coleyworks.com. But my new one's coleyworksdesign.com. It's actually of this century. And... Um, <laughs> But having, having that to say, hey, um, go to my site and pick out some things that you think are a level of finish that you are willing to accept. So I put stuff on my site for that very reason. Smart. To give them an idea of what they can expect. Because expectations, 
they're big too. Yeah. You know, you have to understand what it is someone's asking you to do and you have to be able to meet their expectations Yeah. so that they can go, you know what? We needed more. I'm going to have to go back and talk to Liam about getting a little bit more cash. Right. And then that, that works. So nobody's screwed. Right, 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 right. Because a lot of people don't realize the amount of time and energy that goes into this stuff. So mm -hmm. looking at your website now and, and, um, the stuff that is super detailed. So in your gallery, in the main page, everything that's rendered with lighting and everything else, like generally, how long does it take you to do one of these pieces? Well, I got like, you know, there's a couple in there Then you got like one that's a, some are just straight paintings mm -hmm. and then some are modeled with some painting on it. But you know, I don't, I don't spend over two or three days on anything. And that, you know, and usually it's, it's scattered. Yeah. Um, um, it's like, oh, I'm going to go eat dinner with the girlfriend. Um, maybe when I get back to her place, we can, you know, I, I'll be able to, you know, spend 40 minutes on it. So you kind of lose track of where you are in something mm -hmm. because you have to kind of do it sporadically. Sure. But I'm finding getting up and walking away from it and coming back to it will change everything. And then I, you know, and that's where mobile has, has done it for me. Um, I, I do finger paintings on my iPhone. Oh, cool. So, yeah, man. I, I do tons of finger paintings on my iPhone. So very cool. How do you get the de can you still get detail with that, with an iPhone doing finger painting stuff? Yeah. Let's see. I'm, I, I'm on my site now. So, I'm going to look and see if I can point to one that was almost done. Okay. So if you see the, you see the water Buffalo. Uh-huh. Okay. So below that, there's a blue background and a kind of a gold ship. I don't know how your layout is. And then there's a guy standing in the foreground, kind of a gold ship in the morning and they're taking off. Yes. Yep. See it. These two ships. That is finger paint. Wow. Really? Yeah. So that's an example of how far you can take something. And, and that was done two or three iPhone versions ago. So the resolution and, and I use Procreate. I don't know. Somebody turned me on to Procreate huh. a long time ago. And um, that's actually Procreate is what got me to go buy an iPad. And, um, and you know, Procreate is doing a pretty good job of keeping things really simple. Huh. But you, I use Procreate Pocket on my iPhone, and then if I want to go bigger, I just mail myself that file and finish it on my iPad. So a lot of this is mobile. I think my first image is done on the iPad. Wow, dude, that's, um, a, that's amazing when you think about that. Yeah, I'm sorry for all the listeners that can't really see what we're talking about. No, if you just if you if you're listening right now, I'm encouraging our listeners all the time not to just be passive listeners, but at the same time, you can be going and checking stuff out. So if you go to uh, coleywartsdesign.com, there you'll be able to see what it is that we're looking at, and you won't feel left out. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that, guys. Um, and then I've got I've got just as we tour my my new lovely site that I am really proud that I actually did all by myself. It looks great, dude. Um, thanks. Yeah, I got models so you can kind of see what I, you know, I got a models section. So these are models that I built. So are these all 3D models or are these real life models? Yeah. No, there's 3D. I can't I can't I can't do my real models. I'm I suck. <laughs> no, it's fine. I, I I know that uh with 
you know, working with a lot of people in the production design world now, the uh, advent of uh, 3D printing has made model work so insane. Like uh, actually breaking these things down and being able to 3D print these things is amazing. Yeah. Gay internet. People share that stuff. Oh, it's crazy, man. Like, uh, um, and then my, go ahead. Sorry. I got a a sketches area too. And I do a lot of drawing on post-its. And so I'll take a, um, on my site. I got like, Oh, that's super cool. (laughs) That's super cool. So you're doing, you're doing the stuff on post-it notes. (laughs) Yeah. That's great. I mean, all right. So at that point, with both the phone and post-its, you're working at like a really small scale. Your hand must be killing you at this point. No, I've, I, <clears throat> no, I just, you know, the, a sketch only takes about five minutes, right? And then it, it, I don't go too crazy detailed on it. And it, it, it's either five minutes or a cup of coffee. Mm. And right now, coffee shops are closed, so I'm not going to be posting a lot because I'm bumming. Yeah. So I go to a coffee shop and I got like a post-it pack and my phone and a pencil and a pen and then I'll sketch on and I'll sketch and then I'll take a picture. Sometimes I'll do like process sketches where I'll take a picture of my pencil sketch and then I'll add ink and take a picture of that, Mm -hmm. which is an interesting thing because you know, you never, you can't undo back to the, the pencil sketch after you start adding ink. So you're like capturing something that will never be seen again, which is always fun because I'll lay out blue line sketch. Ah, cool. Start adding ink. So these things don't exist. So after that, I'll take a picture of it, you know, again, because your phone is essentially a scanner. I mean, hell, when you can take a 4K picture, yeah, that's a fucking scan. Yeah. So I got my scan and I imported it into Procreate on my iPhone and add some highlights and stuff. And it's pretty easy. You got a finished product. So cool, man. That is so fucking rad. It must be like liberating because. Oh my God. You have no idea, man. It's, it's not like, you know, for like for us to sit down and have this podcast, Mm -hmm. I had to, I had to sit down at at the, (laughs) sit down at the computer Make sure everything's working. Yeah. This computer's on Wi-Fi. It's not working very well. This one's on router. It's working okay. So that kind of stuff is that is like sitting down and planning to work. But now with your phone, for me, if I'm in line at Starbucks and it's a long line, I'll just start sketching. It's and so I'm cool. Just, when I get to the front of the line, I'm like, okay, well, I'll be revisit that one. So but yeah, that's how I work. And you know, it takes away the preciousness of planning to work. I hate that precious feeling. Okay. I've got my, I've got my pencil, the pencil sharpened and yeah, that's all I need to worry about if, or, if I'm going to sit down and sketch. But if I'm sketching on my iPhone, it's like whatever, anywhere, anytime. Oh dude, I, I hate it because I do a lot of editing. So I hate it when your technology is getting in the way of mood and tone. I fucking hate that shit. Especially if like your computer's not doing what you want. Like, I'll be in the middle of an edit project, go to bed, come back. And then overnight my machine did some sort of update. Now it doesn't load my drives. And so then just that process of having to sit there and troubleshoot your machine and go like, what the fuck? All I want to do is start cutting. That's all I want to do. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I don't ever have update my iPhone. Oh my God. I never updated. There was a period not so long ago where, uh, Apple updated a made a big update and it really affected Everybody. Procreate. Dude. It really affected Procreate. And I could and Procreate had had invited me to they were paying me 
to do a, a sketch for him. And I could not, because of the update to the operating system, I couldn't use Procreate. Ugh. And and, th- and it was happening to everyone. The Procreate forums were just like, what the fuck? And I'm like, oh, shit, I'm getting paid by Procreate and I can't use it. So, <laughs> so um yeah so yeah i i've run from that i mean i'm i i don't know if i'd have an iphone or an ipad if there were a better alternative i mean i'm not i'm not an evangelist for apple yeah well i mean dude because we transitioned strangely we transitioned years ago from uh software to more of like hardware stuff and everything's become more of a hardware sell right now so mm-hmm. all these software updates what a lot of people don't realize is that these software updates are part of that uh extinction process for whatever piece of hardware that you're still paying off and so these guys are notorious for it especially specific companies like apple are notorious for it even though they say that they, they don't do that it's no fucking mistake that you suddenly have an update for your old hardware that comes out the same week that their new hardware comes out. Oh yeah. And your old shit suddenly isn't working. And the thing that drives me insane is if it was anything else, like if, if all of a sudden a new car came on the market and it doesn't matter how much gasoline you put in your car, it just still doesn't turn on. Everybody mm-hmm. would revolt on those companies, but these guys have mm-hmm. done such a good job of convincing us that it's important to have the yeah. updates. You know? Planned obsolescence. They they know what they're doing. Oh, and for an artist, it can be so fucking frustrating. I, I can only imagine what you were feeling because uh, uh, we went through something really similar as editors where they decided to say, you know, turn their backs on Final Cut and they're like, doesn't matter anymore. We're going to create this whole new software system. And we're like, yeah, but all our old projects are archived on this old system that you're not going to let us open anymore. And they're like, yeah, no, we don't care about that anymore. And it's just like, (laughs) holy shit. I mean, that was, that was the big moment for me when I made the jump and I was like, look, I'm, I'm off Mac products. I'm going back to the PC world. And yeah, there's there Mac products now. I mean, I was, I was listening to CES, I guess some podcast about CES and man, that new tower that mm-hmm. 50 grand oh my god Apple. man 50 grand for a really really maxed out tower and i'm like holy shit and i thought my twelve thousand dollar honking pc was expensive and my desktop and i it, 50 grand 50 grand people, 50 grand but but you're getting you're getting top of the line but at but you can, yeah. But it, uh, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't get it. I mean, people have people have, have got more money than I've got. I can tell you that much. Sure. <laughs> there is a small group of people that do definitely have more money than the both of us. Oh my god! But you you just look at the yeah. This is a whole hole that we can jump way into, and I'm not going to. But it, it's all marketing. It really is all marketing. Yeah. And it, yeah, and Apple's kind of good at it. Yeah, man, that that cult, that cult called Apple, is really cult, great. It's really good. Who knows what it's doing? Yeah. I'm probably not making one friend right now at Apple. <laughs> it doesn't. Matter. I actually had I actually had an interview with with Apple the other day about something about a job, and I'm, which I'm absolutely positive I did not get. But I was telling them, <laughs> I was telling them, I, I don't know who you guys think you are with regards to charging they're like what do you think about that new tower i'm like what tower that one that's 50 grand oh my god like uh no thanks i can't afford that i mean i don't know what you guys are paying your employees or if they can afford that yippee 
Yeah, so I and I, do I doubt they are. And the thing that a lot of artists don't think about is that when you're buying this stuff, what you want to do is you want to buy this gear for an affordable price. You want this thing to work the way you need it to work. So that way you can continue to do your work. But at an end, at the end of the day, if you're a freelancer, you eventually need to pay that off before it becomes obsolete because then you can make money on it. And that's the purpose of it. So like if you're buying a piece of camera gear, if you're buying a, an edit system, if you're doing those things, you can actually charge for those products. And if you're so deep in the hole, 50 fucking grand in the hole, you're not even going to have that thing paid off before the new one comes out. Like, no, the, I don't even know how you begin to be a freelancer and do that. No, it's, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. Um, yeah. But anyway, digressing from that. Um, well, I'm sorry. It's fun to bash out. Dude, I, dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we could do a whole episode. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so we, we're doing pretty good here. We're getting close to. Okay. I'm just talking. Uh, just a couple more questions if it's all right with okay. you. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about collaboration. Um, so when you're collaborating on these large projects, when you're working on the Star Wars stuff, who are, you, who are you usually working for? Are you working for um, the post-production super, or a supervisor, a production designer? Like who, who are you usually answering to? Okay, so that's a good question. Um, so for The Mandalorian, I'm working for um, the production designer and the director. At Lucasfilm, mm -hmm. whenever something's in-house at Lucasfilm, you're kind of – it's – you know, it's – I won't say it's designed by committee, but there's, there's a lot of people that have to sign off on it. And everybody's knows a lot about this stuff, mm -hmm. about the, uh, the, the content. And so it has to go up and down a board of approvals. And, uh, so I, I'm working for, I was working for Doug and I answered to Doug. Mm -hmm. So who was answering to the director, mm -hmm. right? So that's how that chain of command goes. So though, that's two levels of approval that need to occur. If I'm working for a production designer, like to say I, I worked on Dune and uh, I was working for a production designer named Patrice Vermette up in, um, up in, uh, he's in, I think it's either Montreal or Vancouver. Whoa, 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 wait, wait. The new Dune being directed yeah. by Denis? Denis, yeah. Fucking A. Awesome. I yeah. am super excited about that movie, man. Yeah, me too. But uh, I, I worked on that la a couple of years ago, and um, yeah, was it last year? No, it was a couple of years ago. Anyway, um, so I, I did a lot of work on that. And so, of course, the, the production designer has to get, you know, I would get stuff past him, but he knows Denis really well. I mean, he wouldn't be working with Denis if he wasn't like he knew what Denis would like. So when mm -hmm. things would go in front of Denis, he, um, you know, you had a pretty good feel that things were going to be really good. You know, every, the feedback would be good. So that relationship that Patrice had with Denis was fantastic. So it was, that was my, you know, that was a really good experience for me. Dude. I'll just say that. So yeah, but Patrice is a fantastic um, guy to have worked for oh. and with. And that's the collaboration. And then um, who I was working with even more closely during that whole period was George Hull and George is an uh, art director, mm -hmm. and so he and Patrice and I were were working together. But he's a real, you know, it, when you're working with really talented people, I mean, you find a way to make it work. There's the egos don't get in the way. It's all really fun. Oh, so cool. And I know you're not allowed to talk about anything, but oh, God, how, no, man. How, how's it? How's it? How's it? How's it looking? <laughs> 
Well, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Well, there's these things and they look like this thing. And then that thing looks like the thing that looked like that thing from the last thing. Um, you know, it. it uh, I'm excited. It, it, you know, it's a it's a big story. Right. Like we all know that. And so how do you. How do you how do you tell this story? Well, you know. Productions aren't stupid anymore. They don't give you too much information. Mm -hmm. They give you what you need to know so that you can do your job. So I don't know a whole lot. Um, um, so I, I, I know what the stuff that I worked on is going to look like. Uh -huh. And I, and it, you know, it looks good. You know, I, I like it, <laughs> but I've been away from, I, I've been away from the project for so long. You know, I, when it comes out, I'm going like, Oh my God, thank God it came out. I, I kind of forgotten about it, but, this thing's been, you know, they finished shooting and I'm telling you stuff that you can find on the internet, no doubt, but okay. they finished shooting last year. Yeah. And, uh, dude, and, I, uh, dude, I cannot, I cannot wait. I think for, for his work as a director, he's been like, like when, like 10 for 10, like every time that guy does something, it's amazing. And then Sicario is my favorite. Oh my God. Ever. Sicario was outstanding. Uh, the last Blade Runner was fucking outstanding. It's still, yeah, he did a great job on that too. Uh, it blows my mind that that movie didn't do as well as it should have. Uh, everybody at uh, home. He didn't fuck it up. Yeah. All he had to do, all he had to do was not fuck it up. And, oh. and he did way beyond that. He did really well. Oh, mm. it's so good. And anybody that's listening that hasn't watched that fucking movie, it's your fault. Because <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's rich. Oh, it's, it's really, so it's good. done really well. But you know, people are watching it the same way that they watched the original Blade Runner. There's a lot of things in there that you're not going to catch unless you watch it a few times. And the only people that are going to really watch it a few times are the junkies. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, that's on my, you know, I was watching that movie when you guys called and Blade Runner and Blade Runner, then 2049 are like another two sets of movies that I listen to whenever I'm just wanting. Dude, I, a it's, good movie in the background. I am so obsessed with the initial Blade Runner. I, for years I was having trouble sleeping and I went online and I found the sonic environments. Like someone had actually made oh, yeah. all those sonic environments. And for, for fucking almost a year, that was what I'd have on in the bed. It'd drive my girlfriend crazy. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, you just hear, don't walk, don't walk. And you hear the rain and shit. And that was my white noise was, uh, the Blade Runner sonic stuff. Um, yep. that universe, dude, that universe was such an amazing eye opening, uh, experience for me as a filmmaker. It was like the, second movie I saw when I went to film school and it just blew my fucking mind. And, um, just knowing, uh, and having been at Ridley Scott's offices and worked with those guys and seen, I've, I've actually been fortunate enough to be in Ridley's office and see oh, like wow, his, that's so cool. dude, I've seen his alien sketches, all his stuff. If you go into Scott Free's offices, it's just loaded with like, uh, fashion photography books and concept art books and models and all sorts of stuff. And I had a really amazing opportunity to be in his space. Um, and you look at the stuff that he did for Blade Runner, and then you start to hear the stories of the history of that. And for it being such a rich environment, they shot all that shit on a back lot. They shot that on oh, like yeah. the same back lot that they did Westerns and TV stuff on. Um, well, now Ridley knew how to save money. Oh Ridley, my God. Have you watched the duelists yet? Yes. Yep amazing movie yeah that story behind the duelist i back in the days of dvds um 
the director commentary, I listened to the director commentary on the duelist and Ridley had to basically almost fund this thing himself. I mean, he, he had to yeah. put every, everything was, was on him. Yeah. You know, if, if something wasn't delivered on time, you pay for it. If something, it was all on bond and, and it, it, he, dude, the guy knows how to do stuff. I mean, I'm not real happy with some of the stuff he's done of late, but who cares, man, when you hit a home run, like the ones he's hit. Oh my God, dude. You should be able to make them do the next Flintstones movie. Who cares? <laughs> do you yeah, and and to hear the stories about that film, hear the stories about Alien. I mean, when he got hired on Alien, they thought they were just making some bullshit fucking you know space a space monster movie. And exactly. He, he blew that thing up into being that work of art that it is. And then even his brother, you know, Tony Scott. There's yeah, rumors. Tony was good, dude. There's rumors of how he was doing Top Gun and how. He was on a uh, on a uh, aircraft carrier on Top Gun, and he wanted the light to be backlighting uh, the jets as they were taking off. And so he turned to supposedly turned to the captain of the ship. He's like, "You got to turn the ship around. You got to turn the ship around <laughs> so that the the lights behind it." And the captain of the ship was like, "You know how long it's going to take us to do that? You know how much it's going to cost us in fuel?" And uh, Tony Scott pulled out his checkbook and goes, "Here's a check. Turn it around." <laughs> it's like those two are epic. Epic. Yeah. Epic. Tony's story is really good too. Um, he, you know, he was, uh, Simpson Bruckheimer. He was really mm-hmm. tight with those guys. I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. That yep. movie, the book high concept, I guess I, I read that a few years ago about Don Simpson. And it's a good book, man, about how high concept movies used to get done. Yeah. I haven't read it. I'll have it's to check one. it out. It's called high concept. Yeah. It's called high concept. I mean, you know, it's Michael Bay is sort of, uh, the protege, he, mm-hmm. his name is mentioned a little bit, but you can, as you read the book, you start to get a vibe for, oh yeah, this is how things must have really been going back then. Yeah, I'm interested. I'm totally interested in that. I mean, that's the peak. I mean, those are the movies that I grew up on. So that mm-hmm. whole period, the late 80s and the 90s and like Joel Silver and and Don Simpson and uh, all those guys. Um, yep. They're amazing. What even now when I see Brockheimer's logo and you're running down the road and the lightning strikes the tree, it's just like, yeah, yeah, I know yep. it's gonna be fucking cool, man. Yep. You know, miss that stuff. I miss that stuff because it's all yeah, kind of totally. shifted. You know, it's shifted. From it like has kind of shifted. These little, the, I don't want to say little producers, but these private little producers, these little independent uh, distributors, and all that stuff is shifted towards the big corporate stuff these days, which. It's still really cool and interesting, um, but it's a little bit different. You but, know what I mean? Yeah, it's not yeah, the same. It's, it's not the designed same. Designed by committee. Yeah. And that's the thing, man. Like you were saying before, like if you're taking a concept design and it's running through an email chain of people and everybody, of course, has to voice in on it because they have to prove the validity in the whole situation. And so you're sorting through all that feedback and then you get the thing back and it's like, is it still what I was initially designing? Does it still have anything in there? Um, I, I deal with that in the commercial world. So that stuff, yeah. You know, when you say, when you're dealing with committee and you're dealing with stuff and you start to send things out for approval, what I try to do with my clients is I'm like, give me three chains of, of approval. I don't want to go through all these people. Like if you guys have to internally go through those people, great. But then filter that down before it comes back to me because I don't, I don't want it to be. 
it's like having a great idea that is like then distilled 70 times. And then you're looking at this cup of coffee and it's just clear, you know, you're like, (laughs) 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 nothing I was doing is in there anymore. (laughs) Yeah. I know that feeling, but it's part of the gig. Yeah, man. Well, Look, we've done a great look. Thank you so much for being on the show, and thank you for you dealing it, with our man. technical bullshit. And thank you, those of you at home who have stuck through it. Um, please uh, go check out uh, all of Kali's stuff online. And um, this is the point of the show where I usually uh, let the listener or the guest give the listener some advice. And a lot of people listening to the show are young directors, some are young artists. Um, if you could uh, go back in time and give a bit of advice to you in your 20s, what would it be? What would be the most important thing that you would tell yourself? Hmm. Be confident and be humble because they wouldn't be coming to you if they didn't want you. That's good. That's great. That's about all I got. But yeah, humility. Really try to be humble, but be confident and know that they came to you for a reason. And then that leads to empathy. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, Thank you again to Coley for sitting down with us and talking about uh, his amazing spaceships and his amazing process to getting these things done. And I hope you guys have a greater appreciation for how these things end up on the screen. And for those of you that are trying to make films, those of you trying to learn about this stuff, just know that it isn't all on you. You just gotta meet people, you gotta learn about these folks, you gotta reach out to people. Uh, And there are so many talented technicians out there that are looking for great projects to expand their portfolio, to expand the horizon. So. Find the people you want to work with. Create content that is going to attract them to you. That's important. Um, And then start these relationships. And that's how the good shit gets done. Look at all the major directors out there. And they have great relationships with fantastic concept artists. So 100% believe in that. And I hope this show has stimulated you to push forward and to make some new shit, guys. That's important right now. Continue to make some new shit. And if you're feeling depressed and if you're feeling lost and you don't know what to do and how to stay on track, don't forget that we're releasing two episodes a week right now, trying to do it per week. Um, We have our second show on just COVID and how to stay. um, What? Jesus Christ, my brain just shut the fuck off there. God damn it. Isn't that crazy when that happens? How to stay motivated. Uh, and how to stay creative during this crisis. And there's a bunch of things that I will tell you about how I do it. And we're also going to talk about updates on like financing and what the government's doing to help our financing and what I'm doing to try to make sure that I stay alive as a freelancer. So there'll be a bunch of really good tips in there. Um, I know Liam's going to have a bunch of new stuff on uh, this week's episode. So Definitely check it out and subscribe to the show if you haven't already. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. We're on all these fucking outlets. You know, and if we're not on the outlet that you want us to be on, then reach out to me on Instagram at Mike Petschi or at In Love With The Process Pod on Instagram and tell us, hey, you fucked up. You're not on this one. We want you on this one. If you're not on this one, I'm not going to listen. You know, fucking lazy. Anyway, um, so yeah. 
I'm going to let you guys go because I got to jump right into another podcast. Um, but thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. And tell your friends. Everybody is looking for content right now. I swear to God, you better fucking tell your friends about this show. I, you better fucking do it. All right. I love you. <laughs>